Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. Today is Tuesday, February 28th and I'm going to cover the deadlift today, otherwise known as the hinge exercise. Before I get into that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilman at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are the absolute best in the area. True professionals, and that's what I seek. I will put all of their information in today's show notes. Click and go. Very easy to do. All right, so if you've been following along in the podcast, you know that I've been covering the major movements and what muscle groups are involved and all the importance of them. If you haven't been following along, go back and listen to the old ones so you can get caught up. There's not really any particular order you have to go in, but just go back and listen. Today, I'm going to pick up on the hinge movement. All right, so there are basic movements that our human body does. There is the squat, think squatting down to get into a chair or get onto the floor. That is a squatting motion. Then there's a lunge type motion, and that essentially is being able to do things with a split stance. So in life, we don't always have the opportunity to squat perfectly down with our knees aligned and all that kind of stuff. And that's where the lunge comes in. And when you're walking, you're putting one foot in front of the other. So that is an important movement pattern that we have to strengthen. And then finally, for the lower half of the body, we have a hinge. And that's what I'm going to cover today. Now, hinge is essentially bending over, okay? Pushing your fanny back and bending at the spine forward. That is what a hinge is. And talk about an important movement, right? How many times do we hear of people hurting their back, simply bending over to pick something up? It is so critical to strengthen that movement. And if we do our chances of hurting our back become almost marginal, very, very minimal. When I worked with Dr. Mike Fulton for many years, who is the famous orthopedic who does sports medicine and does not believe in surgery, he showed me a statistic once that said 90% of those that who were told needed back surgery for injuries were able to rehabilitate from for strengthening and never need the surgery. All they needed to do was strengthen that movement of the lower back. Here's another nice statistic for you. 80% of lower back injuries happen because of weakness to the lower back. One of the things that drives us a little bit bananas in our industry of sports medicine is we hear, strengthen the core, strengthen the core, and all anybody ever thinks of essentially is crunches or maybe plank. Well, that's great, but really the most important area to strengthen of the 
quote, core is the erector spinae, the lower back muscles. That's what we need to strengthen. You can do all the abdominal work in the world. And if you're not strengthening your lower back, you are just as vulnerable to hurt your lower back as you would be if you did nothing. Perhaps even more because you're going to get an imbalance of your anterior abdominal muscles taking over, which puts you in a posture of what we call kyphosis, pulling you forward. And so you're even more likely to hurt your lower back. So the most important thing to do if you don't want to hurt your lower back is to do hinge exercises and strengthen that whole posterior chain. All right. Excuse me. So I'm going to be picking up on that here in one second. I just want to make sure that you understand that the other movements we're going to be talking about, and I've talked about some, is upper body pushing. We've already covered that one. Upper body pressing, that's overhead, and then vertical pull, and then horizontal pull. Okay, so we have vertical pull, horizontal pull, vertical pressing, horizontal pushing, hinge, squat, lunge. If we cover those areas, oh, and rotation, can't skip rotation. If we cover those areas, we're going to have a nice, strong body, okay? Making the body work in unison together. All right, so the hinge. First, let's talk about what muscles are involved in the hinge movement. Of course, lower back, but when we do a proper hinge, we actually want to try to deactivate the lower back to a great extent. We really want the majority of the movement coming from the glutes and hamstrings. So the glutes are your largest muscle group in your entire body and your hamstrings are tied for second along with your quads. So these are like really strong, powerful muscle groups. Now, your erector spinae or spinal erectors, which is what you think of as your lower back muscle, they're actually some of the smallest muscle groups in your body. So just with that knowledge alone, it should already make sense to you that if you're picking an object off the floor, you would want to use your larger muscle groups versus your smaller muscle groups. In order to do that, you have to know the right motion to do. All right. So the muscle groups, again, are the glutes, the hamstrings, and the erector spinae in a prototypical hinge movement. All right. So the erector spinae is responsible for spinal extension. The glute maximus is responsible, tongue-tied this morning, responsible for hip extension. And then your hamstrings are also responsible for hip extension and knee flexion. But in the case of a hinge exercise, we want the hamstrings to basically follow after the glutes and work in hip extension, okay? And that basically means that you are pulling your femur back behind you. So if your heels are in the ground, like when you do a deadlift, if you think of that motion of trying to pull your hips back, even though they are stationary because you're keeping your feet down, that is the motion we want. And to accomplish that, 
we have to push our rear end behind us, okay? So, just the other day, my great sister Mary in Wyoming, who always follows the podcast, and I so appreciate that. She values the advice, she values the input, and she asked me about this, and she asked me about the deadlift exercise and a little bit about it, and then to send her a video, or actually I offered to send her a video of how to properly do it, and she noticed she was doing a couple things wrong. So the deadlift is the primary exercise of the hinge movement, all right? Now, you may have heard that there are two different types of deadlifts, and essentially that's true. There is what a lot of people think of as the standard deadlift, and that is where you're bending your knees and hinging at the same time, lifting a weight off the ground. That's fine. That is actually a deadlift style exercise. Personally, I like the stricter version of what we call the RDL or Romanian deadlift or straight leg deadlift better. Because when you do the bent knee deadlift, it's kind of like doing a squat but holding the weight in front of you and there's just a lot of knee bending and you get a lot of quad, which is fine. If you're doing a deadlift competition, you almost have to do it that way to lift the most weight you can lift. But if you're really trying to strengthen your glutes and hamstrings, the RDL, Romanian deadlift or straight leg deadlift is absolutely superior to the bent knee deadlift. So that is the one I prefer and that's the one I'm gonna tell you to do as your major hinge exercise, all right? Now, when we do this exercise, we have to make sure that we're pushing our fanny back behind us, kind of like we're trying to close our car door with our butt and not just bending forward at the spine. Now, as a trainer, it's one of the hardest exercises to help people with because from the naked eye, from the outside looking in, we can't tell if you're 100% doing it right or not because doing it perfectly right and doing it kind of right look almost identical because you're bending forward. Now, if you're bending forward without pushing your butt back, that is the wrong way to do it. It's not awful, but it is the wrong way to do it. And it looks so much like bending forward, pushing the butt back. So from our perspective, we're kind of looking at it and going, well, that looks right. And What's kind of funny about this is I often call the RDL or straight leg deadlift like the exercise for the intrinsically motivated. So the people who really want to do it right for themselves because you, only you can feel it. Only you can feel if you're doing it right. And for the intrinsically motivated folks, they want to do it right because they know if they're feeling it in the right places, they're going to get stronger. They're not going to get the praise and all this for lifting all this, a lot of weight and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, they, you know, don't care and they're just trying to do it correctly. Now, when people are more extrinsically motivated and we know, you know, as trainers, we know, you know, who's the carrot, who's the stick, who needs who's intrinsically motivated, who's extrinsically motivated, we, and, and who's somewhere in between. So we know, like we know 
after a couple workouts what, where your motivation is. So it's pretty easy to figure out. The extrinsically motivated folks are the hardest ones to help with the deadlift because they basically just want you to tell them that they're doing it right. Okay, yeah, it looks like you're doing it right and they're trying to please you with doing uh, what they think is a good load or what they think you think is a good load. And they're oftentimes just going through the motions unless you're telling them they're doing something wrong. So they become harder to train on the RDL. And I only bring all this up so you can get the point that only you know. It's one of those types of exercises that you have to feel it as you do it. You have to feel it. And you're going to feel it if you're doing it right. If you're feeling it in your hamstrings and glutes predominantly, most likely you are doing it right. If you're feeling your lower back, most likely you're doing it wrong. You have to feel that. So when you're doing a Romanian deadlift, you're holding the dumbbells or barbell, personally I prefer dumbbells, in your hands in front of you with an overhand, what we call pronated grip, that's just an overhand grip where your palms are facing your shins, okay? You're hinging forward. I don't wanna say bending, you're hinging forward, keeping your back as flat as humanly possible. A slight knee bend, maybe 10 to 20 degrees, and you're pushing your fanny back until you feel a deep stretch in your hamstrings and you feel some tension on your glutes. Your heels should be anchored in the ground, nice and sturdy, and you can almost lift up on your toes a little bit. You go down as far as you can and still maintain a flat back and a hinge position. That's gonna be a little different for everybody. And then you return to almost full lockout, but not complete lockout. You keep a little bit of tension on the glutes, keeping your chest up, and then you return and do it again. That is your Romanian deadlift, your straight leg deadlift, your hinge exercise. Only you know if you really felt it in the appropriate place. If you go down slower versus faster, most likely you're going to feel it in the right place. All right, so that is the compound movement of the hinge. Now, when you want to strictly work your lower back, that's when we would use the lower back machine, which is a great machine. It's one of the better machines we have. A lot of people have. It's just a back extension machine or you can do what's called hyper extensions off of like a typical Roman chair, or you can do like Cobras off the floor where you're raising your chest up off the ground. All right, so that would be like the isolation exercises for the hinge. It is so important to strengthen this posterior chain. You can always tell when you watch different sports, the real athletes when they have a really strong back and they're really strong in this area, almost predominantly stronger here than anywhere else because it's using so much of your lower body and your true core of all of your erector spinae. You know, I was working with a guy this morning. He's, uh, well, Dr. Gary, he's phenomenal. And he was running his quarter miles on Tuesday lately. We've been doing sprints outside because he's working on his 5K. And I couldn't help but notice the, the landscaper out here where my gym is located. And, um, you know, nice guy. He was, you know, I mean, I'm assuming he was a nice guy. He was friendly. He waved. He smiled. You know, to me, that's a nice guy. 
So I saw him in his like tractor thing and he was driving from little area to area so he can edge and trim. And I noticed like he'd, he'd get out and he would grab his edger and like every like, I don't know, few seconds or so, he would grab his shoulder and he would start like rotating and around in a circle and you know, you grimace on his face a little bit. So clearly he was having some pain in his shoulder from holding the edger. And, you know, it just really made me think, as I always think about this, like how important ADLs are, how important activities of daily living are. Like this isn't just about like going to the gym, specifically talking deadlifts here and having like a great butt or great hamstrings. Like a lot of the real fit chicks, you know, that's one of the most important exercises for them because they know it gives them that booty they want. It gives them those hamstrings they want. You know, and that's great. There, you know, nothing wrong with that. But we also have to think like the importance of these ADLs. It is absolutely so critical to keep our body strong. And this guy obviously has to make a living landscaping or he wouldn't be landscaping. I mean, it's the way he makes a living. And what if you can't do it? Then you can't make your living. And it, all of this stuff can be so greatly benefited by strength training. Okay. So take, take the motion of the overhead pressing. That's one of the main body functions that we have, right? So he was doing that rotation thing of his shoulder indicating that he has shoulder pain. I don't know his history. I don't know this guy from Adam here, but I'm assuming that if he like went to the gym on a regular basis and had shoulder presses in his regular mainstay of exercises, his shoulder would be stronger and let's say like when he started working out, he can use 10 pound dumbbells. I don't know why I was going to say deadlifts. He could do 10 pound dumbbells for shoulder presses, which is, you know, pretty light for a male. And then a couple weeks later, he's using 15s. And a month later, he's using 25s. And three months later, he's using 30s. And six months later, he's hoisting up 50 and 60 pound dumbbells and doing shoulder presses, which is pretty darn common actually in a lot of gyms. Okay, so now his shoulders are adequately lifting 50 and 60 pounds up over his head, so it's 120 pounds collectively. So now his shoulders so darn strong that when he goes to work and he lifts up that edger and he does the work, that no longer feels as heavy as it used to. And he's kind of like throwing around a toothpick for his work device, right? So now the stress isn't so much like the load at the gym. The stress might be he's getting older, so maybe he has a little more arthritis or, um, you know, he's, he's dealing with some inflammation. So that's all the stress. But the point is, is that if his shoulders were stronger, they can handle those stresses. That's the important part of strength training. So going back to the hinge motion, you know, most people that hurt the lower back, do it doing dumb things. When I say dumb things, I mean like insignificant things. Typically, it's not in the gym. Typically, it's not where you would think it would be, although I would never think it would be, but where you might think it would be. It's usually like picking something up off the ground or going to the grocery store and trying to pick up cat litter or something. Well, if you could deadlift 200 pounds, then picking up that 25-pound bag of cat litter, even if you lift it incorrectly, you're going to be far less likely to hurt your back because you've strengthened that chain so well that it'd be like lifting a cup off the floor, right? 
So that's what we have to think about. This isn't just vanity. Although if it's vanity that gets you there, great. Because at the end of the day, you're doing what you should do. But just understand if you're not vanity oriented, that doing this stuff is so critical. I can't preach enough to you about the benefits of proper strength training and making sure that we're strength training all of these major motions in that our body can do, okay? Speaking of taking care of our back, it is time to thank my second sponsor, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach. She's on Granada Boulevard, and she is also a true professional at what she does. She is a graduate of Palmer, which is one of the best chiropractic schools around, and she's been doing this for well over a decade. I will also put her information in the show notes. It's very simple. If you're interested, which hopefully you are, and remember, we don't have to just go to a chiropractor when we get hurt. We should be going to regular people that help us, health professionals, before we get hurt for good maintenance, and that way we don't get hurt, right? So I will put all of her information in the show notes, and until next time, be max fit and be max wealth.